Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. The Green Bay Packers have arguably the best receiver in the NFL in Devontae Adams. Adams has been virtually unstoppable this season and leads the NFL in pass receiving yards. He is coming off a stellar 11-catch, 206-yard performance against the Cincinnati Bengals. But as good as Adams is, can the Packers reach the ultimate game, the Super Bowl, without a legitimate number two receiver? Greetings, I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for joining all pro Packers beat writer Rob Reichel of Forbes.com and I for another Packers podcast. Hello, Rob. Good morning, Gary. We're bright and early today for you. Yeah, it's, the, 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 it's your time of the day, Gear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about five hours earlier than my time of the day, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, anything to accomplish the all pro writer here. So, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate your flexibility of doing a bright and early podcast. We'll do our best to make it sing at this ungodly hour of the day for you, Gary. Well, Rob, as usual, we got a, a ton of topics to cover. And uh, during our last podcast, uh, we discussed Packers' need for a number two receiver to complement Devontae Adams. And since then, we've had some time to come up with a list of receivers who the Packers could possibly acquire before the trading deadline, which is November 2nd. Current number two receiver is Marquez Veldo-Scantling was hurt and who has been anything but consistent in his three season with the Packers. And of course the uh, Packers number three receiver is Alan Lazard. Although your guy, Randall Cobb is looking awfully good, but uh, Lazard has been mediocre at best and Cobb, you know, who knows what's going to happen with him. Adam says 42 catches this season. Uh, the next most by a Packer receiver is 11. Can you believe that Rob? 42 to 11, and that's your guy, Randall Cobb. Lazard yep. has a mere seven. So, uh, Rob, I think you and I both agree the Packers need a proven vet to uh, take the pressure off Adams. Yeah, Lazard was seven, you know, six for MVS. You know, the rookie Rodgers has done next to nothing. They haven't gotten anything really from a, from a pass-catching standpoint from, from Malik Taylor. Their their second and third best options, Gary, week in and week out, are the tight ends and the running backs, and it's it's a tough way to make hay in this league when when you're relying on Aaron Jones and and AJ Dillon and and Tunyon, who's been quiet himself. Gary, you look around the league and and you look. I I wrote a story this morning for Forbes, Gary, that and, and I just looked at the NFC. I didn't even go into the AFC, but just to get out of that conference. I mean, what, what Tampa has, Gary, for example, already in, in Antonio Brown, in, in Evans, and in Godwin. I mean, 1,000 yards between those three guys through five weeks, Gary, and I think it was nine touchdowns. The Rams have a trio, you know, kind of led by, by Cup and, and, and that group that, that's got similar numbers. Dallas is high-powered like, like nobody's business at, at wide receiver, mm-hmm. Gary, and that's, without, you know, that, that's with Michael Gallup being down even, even right now the Vikings have a trio that that's outstanding. The Cardinals have a terrific trio, Gary. They even go four deep. When you consider old Bengal, AJ green is catching some balls. Yes. 
uh, down there right now in Arizona. So, and, and Gary, you, you look at the Packers and it's Devonte Adams and, and what you kind of throw up your arms. It, it's not much. It's nothing. They're kind of doing it by smoke and mirrors. And Gary, it's one of the reasons right now I'm, you know, they're, they're 22nd in the league and in, in total offense, they're 13th in points. Yeah, um, isn't that shocking? I mean, it is. I mean, it's it, it again, Gary, it, it's somewhat smoke and mirrors. They're, they're four and one Gary, and they've been outscored um, yeah, yeah. Through, through five weeks. Now I, I know when you lose your, your opener by what was that? 35, three. So by 32 points, you've, you've got a lot of ground to make up, but, but they're not blowing anybody out as we saw last week in Cincinnati. And, and we've seen, you know, with, with San Francisco and, and people like that, there's, there's not a huge gap between these Packers and, and some of the rest of the league. Like there was a year ago, Gary, they were, they were pounding people last year. This is more like 2019, I think, where they're going to have to sneak by some people that that was a year, you know, where I think Gary, they were like nine and one or 10 and one and in games decided by seven or less. And it, it, you get the feeling it's going to be one of those kind of years, not, not like last year where their point differential is going to wind up being, you know, plus 200 or something like that when it's all said and done. It's crazy. We're five weeks into the year and they've been outscored by two points. And yeah. um, who would have ever, ever thought that? I mean, I after, know. After, after it's, five it's games. I was going to call Elias uh, later in the, in the week, Gary, and, and, and try to get an answer on the last time we've seen a four and one team that's been outscored. It's got to be rare. I mean, this is, this is something probably that happens. I'm going to guess Gary once a decade. I mean, this, this yes. is pretty rare. Like we're starting the show here today with there's there's no doubt. Um, one of the big things holding back this offense is the lack of productivity from from those other receivers. And um, you know, it, it it's shocking, Gary, that you know Aaron Rodgers' best friend has turned out to be the the second best uh, second most reliable wide receiver on the football team right now in in Randall Cobb. But 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 he's an undersized slot guy, Gary, and and trying to get him to January and still thinking he can be productive um, at that time of the year after he's taken, you know, the kind of hits he's going to take over the next three to three and a half months is it might be unrealistic. So Gary, I think Brian Gutekunst has a lot of work to do here in the next few weeks, uh, putting together a few different pieces to, to make this team a, a legitimate championship caliber team. He knows where those are at, but I think it starts first and foremost with wide receiver. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you, you're talking about Randall Cobb uh, and his injuries problems. I thought of you again last Sunday. I, this has got to <laughs> stop. But I, I saw he got dinged up, you know, and he was, you know, walking around kind of gingerly. And I go, here we go again. Only the fifth game of the season. But, uh, yeah, to see whether he can hold up for the whole year is going to be very interesting. You did have that story for Forbes.com. And, uh I think you had three wide receiver uh, candidates. I got wide receiver, three wide receiver candidates. Let, let's go one at a time. Uh, why don't you go with your first one? Yeah, so Brandon Cooks in Houston, Gary, is, is kind of the guy I would circle. And, and, and if, if I'm good at Coons, that's where I'm starting. And um, if I can get him, I, I think he's a huge, huge jump to, to this offense. Gary, when he came out of college, he went to Oregon State seven years ago. He ran the 40 and 433. Now, mm. now I'm sure he doesn't run it at that level today, but even Gary, if he's a 445 guy, he's going to be that speedster that they need, and he's going to be 10 times more reliable than MVS. We're in year four here of MVS, and by now you know what you have there, right? You just he, he's just not a guy you can count on week in and 
and week out. Again, here we are five weeks into the year, Gary. He has six catches. Yeah, that, that's, that's horrible, Rob. You know, terrible. I know he's, I know he's been terrible. dinged up, but still. Absolutely. You know, he's missed a game and a half, but like you said, um, you know, he's still been on the field for three and a half. And, you know, Cooks, Gary, is a guy, 31 catches, almost 400 yards, and he's catching balls right now today from Davis Mills. Um, yeah. You can yeah. tell me who Davis Mills is. I'll, 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 I'll give you 50 bucks. I mean, right. I, Are you serious? <laughs> well, I know, I know, you know, who Davis Mills is. I, I don't, I don't think many of our educated listeners are, are going to know, you know, and no, go Cardinal. <laughs> yeah. And, and when the year started, Gary, he was catching them from Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. It, it, not catching them from Deshaun Watson this year or, or anybody like that. You, you, you give cooks a month to get acclimated with Aaron Rodgers. Um, which, you know, the, the trade deadline, Gary, is November 2. You give him all in November to kind of get used to things. You completely increase his his role through the month of December, and you've got him rolling by the playoffs, and that gives you a pretty dynamic one-two punch there with Adams and Cook. Adam to do a lot of, Adams to do a lot of damage in the short to intermediate range. Gary over the middle type of stuff. Cook's to go longer. Uh, in, in, you know, Houston, Gary, they're one and four. They're going nowhere. They want draft picks. Um, they're they're going to have another fire sale at the trade deadline, I would think, starting probably with that quarterback, Deshaun Watson, I just I just mentioned. But but several of these guys here who are off to okay to, to respectable, solid starts, Gary, I think are going to be on the move. And I, I think Cooks is going to be one of them. Rob, we're one for one. I had Cooks on my list of three as well. And, and, and like you uh, aptly uh, described, I mean, the Texans are a mess. One and four. They're not going anywhere. They want future picks. And uh, the guy is just 28 on top of it. So um, what would you give him? A fourth round pick? I mean, Gary, if this is legitimately, legitimately the last dance and these guys are truthfully all in for chasing the Super Bowl here, I'd go as high as a third. He's a mm-hmm. rental. You might get it done for a fourth. I, I don't know. You, you saw last week. You know, there was some movement in the league with Gilmore going to Carolina and um, things like that. And Packer Nation was going crazy when when they couldn't get, uh, you know, the cornerback Gilmore. And I think a third would have got that done. Didn't he go to Carolina for a fourth? Um, I, I want to say they wound up getting Jalen Smith, the, the linebacker from Dallas. They got that deal done. But, boy, Gary, I, I don't know that you have to go even as high as a third. A fourth might get it done. And, and here's the other thing I, I keep going back to. It, it probably is, I mean, it's 95% or greater, I would say at this stage, that, that this is it for Rodgers and this group together. Mm-hmm. If you're going to trade Rodgers in the offseason, Gary, you're, you're, you're going to get, I mean, he's, he's playing again, you know, as, as a top five MVP candidate, certainly over the last month after his, after his rough game to, to begin the year in New Orleans. He turns 38 in December, but Gary, I, I'm still thinking you'll get two ones and two twos for that guy um, if he keeps playing at this level when the season's done. So really, if you're good at Coonston, you've got all that draft capital coming in uh, in March, Gary, if you send him to Denver or Miami or whoever it winds up being for all these picks, what the heck is a third or a fourth round draft pick yeah, to exactly. you right now? If that exactly. gives you a chance to legitimately chase a championship. So I would think Gary, it's in that range and they can get it done for that, that type of a pick. Okay. <clears throat> Another guy I had on my list was Anthony Miller from who used to be with the Houston Texans. He got released about a week or so ago. 
And uh, I thought he would be like the guy that could get him real cheaply. I mean, right now he's a free agent. Um, but remember, Rob, a couple of years ago, he had like 52 catches one season for the Bears and another season he had 49. And uh, I, I thought, okay, and the guy again is only 27 years old. Um, I, I thought he'd be a nice candidate. But again, I think the front runners are, are the Steelers. Uh, they, they lost Juju, so they'll uh, try to bring somebody in right away. But I, I really thought the Packers were going to jump on him right away. But, uh, again, I think he's uh, Pittsburgh-bound. Well, it sounds like that. I know, I know I, like you said, after losing Juju, um, they're, they're going to bring him in this week and, and, and try to add him. He didn't get much done, obviously, in Houston, Gary. He was, you know. I think he was a second round pick, wasn't he? In in eighteen or something yeah, like that. Yeah. The Bears. I mean, he, he he was a pretty high pick, and you know, he was so sold for those guys. I, I think there was one year, maybe it was even his rookie year. He was he was, you know, might might have been might have been his best year there. But he's a little bit undersized, Gary. Isn't, yes. isn't he about two hundred pounds and maybe five ten, five eleven? If 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 memory serves me, on on him. Yeah. And the Packers are going to say, you know what? We got small receivers. We got uh, we got Rodgers. You know, but you know what? It doesn't matter. Are they any good? <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, th- their model and their prototype, Gary, right, is 6'2", 6'3", 220, a guy who can run. I mean, that that's ideally what they circle and what they want. They feel they've got their slot guys now, I would say, in Rodgers and Cobb. Um, I would say, Gary, if Cobb wasn't there, a, a pickup like that would make perfect sense because, again, the rookie Rodgers, the third-round kid out of Clemson, hasn't done anything no. that, that gives you – that gives you any kind of confidence that they can put him on the field um, and, and, and take it, you know, to, to make plays in an NFC championship game against Tampa Bay or the Rams, right, Gary? Cause let's be honest. That's what this all boils down to. Nobody gives a crap. If you're beating the Bengals in October, the lions in September, um, you know, Seattle in November, it's irrelevant, right? All anybody's exactly. going to remember about this year is what do you do when we get to January? And you have to look at it big picture that way. Can it, player a player b player c help you get past the rams get back you know get past the buccaneers get past maybe the cardinals even dallas gary right is 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 on the rise this sure you know i i, I would you know list those four teams then green bay is as the what's become the class right now of the nfc and and they've got to circle and find ways to get past all those teams and, and it starts and ends with tampa right gary you're, you're gonna have to score you're gonna have to score a boatload of points to beat tampa um, I know Green Bay's defense is playing pretty well right now, but but Brady's going to put up 30 and change easily in an NFC, NFC title game or a playoff game against Green Bay. So you're going to have to find a way to outscore, you know, Tom Brady in the in the playoffs. And um, is Miller that guy, Gary? You know, I, I don't know. Again, it makes some sense to you have him on your you have him on your emergency call list. I would say mm-hmm. if if one of these if one of these undersized slot guys goes down. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm interpreting I think they're this, bigger, faster receivers, Gary. I'm interpreting this as not so much in your mind. <laughs> well, again, I mean, hey, yeah, there, you know, when, when we get to what are we at today, October 11th, there's right. there's not a whole heck of a lot left out there. There's not a lot no. on the street. He's no. out of the guys on the street, Gary. He's a pretty darn good football player, and he makes some sense. Uh, Green Bay will tell you, though. My guess is. They've got a couple of those guys. Right. If, if right. they're going to upgrade that group overall, again, like I said, you you you've got to, you've got to find a way to take snaps away then from MVS and Alan Lazard, and and that that if I'm Brian Gutekunst, Gary, that would be my goal. 
because I don't think you're winning an NFC championship or a Super Bowl if you're giving MVS and Alan Lazard 50 snaps a piece or you know 80 snaps a game between them or something like that. You're you're not yeah. good enough at that position to get by these these elite teams that I've just you know that we've been talking about. Okay, and then your other two choices, Rob, were uh, possibilities here. All right, you know, so my second one's probably a little bit of a flyer and a long shot, but you never know, Gary. It's Michael Thomas out of New Orleans. We we just don't know how bad the blood is there right now. I would say between between Thomas and the Saints. I mean, Thomas is a, a, a an elite, elite wide receiver. Absolutely. Um, when he's right, Gary. When he's healthy, he's in the top five uh, in the league. I mean. You, you picture him and Adams together. It's, it, it's almost oh. frightening. Two, two years ago, Gary Thomas caught 149 passes. Yes. Um, it's, it, it's absolutely astonishing. I think he was the NFL's offensive player of the year uh, that season. Gary, he missed nine games last year with a foot or I'm sorry, with an ankle injury, uh, postponed surgery, then had it later this summer. And he's on the pup list right now for that ankle. And I know the organization was livid. Um, that he postponed that surgery, that didn't that he didn't have it right away in January or February, and then he'd be ready for the off season, and and you know obviously they could have had him ready for the for the regular season. So he sits on the pup right now, Gary. This is week six of the of, of the season. They can take him off the pup if if they feel he's ready. Uh, you know, a week from today, we're doing this on 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 Tuesday, the twelfth of October. So a week from now, Gary, after week six. They can, they can take him off the pup, and, and we're going to find out a lot more, I think, at that point, what they think of Thomas. Will they move Thomas? Will they try to get him on the field? Um, is he healthy enough to play? But, you know, again, Gary, I, 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 would, I would say he's a little bit of a long shot because there's so many variables there in play. But if the Saints come to the conclusion, Gary, that they want to move on from this player, that, that, that he's a negative force in that locker room, um, and, and they would consider potentially trading him inside the conference. Um, you know, you're probably looking at at least a two on him, Gary. The Saints might want a one. Um, he, he's that level of a player. He's that good. But, but again, you're going to get four high draft picks for Aaron Rodgers, and there's no guarantee Devontae Adams is back in town next year, Gary. And if you want to move him as well. That's a real good point. Yeah, You're going to get a boatload of picks on Devontae as well. I mean, if, if Devontae and Aaron are gone next year, Gary, you know what that means? It means you probably got three ones and three twos or something like that for sure, the two sure. combined and maybe a player or two. So again, I go back to Gutekun saying, if you are all in and the saints want this, you know, for a Michael Thomas and they're willing to part with him, boy, you pair Thomas and Adams together, Gary, and that is something else that's lights out. Yeah, You're absolutely right, Rob. Uh, to me, that would be the equivalent of, the Buccaneers last year and going out and get Antonio Brown. I mean, everybody knew Brown was a head case, you know, a problem child, but uh, that, that turned out pretty well last year and he's off to a very good start this season. And the Packers need some kind of an impact player. And yeah, the only uh, hang up to that possibility of him coming to green Bay, I think is the fact that they are in the NFC and I, I just can't see Sean Payton, giving the Packers any player that could help them, period. <laughs> right. And that would be the sticky part in the holdup gear. The only thing is, again, I mean, the Saints are three and two. I would say they're in a minor rebuild here, right? And this transition from Drew Brees to Jameis Winston or whoever the quarterback is going to be down, down the road. Yeah. Um, they're probably not in 2021 
Gary a legitimate Super Bowl team, a legitimate Super Bowl contender. I, I think they're a playoff team, but they're probably going to end up being the five, the six, the seven seed, something like that. So if Peyton says, you know what, Let, let's get what we can get for this guy. He's a cancer to us. And, and maybe Green Bay says they can keep him in line, much like Brady did with Antonio Brown. Maybe Rodgers and, and, and guys like Adams can, can keep Thomas in line and follow the Packer way, so to speak. It's, it's a risk worth taking. I, I don't – again, your the odds of this are high. Again, my, my best guess is the Saints understand he's one of their five best football players, probably one of their three best, mm-hmm. and, they find, and they try to find a way to keep him on the roster – but if things absolutely go to hell there and, and he doesn't want to be in New Orleans or they just decide, you know, from an attitude standpoint that this makes no sense to keep a guy here who doesn't want to be here, then maybe things can happen, Gary. Now, again, a, a lot has to go right, I think, for Michael Thomas to wind up being moved and end up in Green Bay. But, um, again, I, we're, we're, we're playing a little bit of game. We're playing a yeah. game here, a little <laughs> bit of fantasy football. And, again, while I don't think the odds are high, it, it, it would be a remarkable pickup for Green Bay to land that guy. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, my, the third guy on my list is Devontae Parker of Miami. And uh, two seasons ago, he had 72 catches. Uh, last year, he had 63. And uh, he's not Michael Thomas, but I think he would be one hell of a second receiver for the Packers. And, and I just wonder what Miami's going to do because they're in a kind of a rebuilding mode. They, they got a young quarterback. And this past year, they went out and used the sixth pick, Rob, in the draft to get Jalen uh, Waddle uh, from Alabama. So I, I just wonder if he might be expendable that, uh, you know, the Dolphins are going to say, hey, we don't want to keep paying him. We're in a uh, rebuilding mode. We can get some nice picks from the Packers. And uh, I, I think he would definitely be a plus for uh, Green Bay. Yeah, no, I like that one a lot, Gary. I mean, I, I, I really do. I think he's dinged a little bit right now, isn't he, Parker? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Fuller, the other guy down there who's, you know, could potentially get moved, I would think, yes, too. Yes, exactly, I, I another think, guy. I, you know, that, that's Will Fuller, you know, a couple of guys that are both dinged right now. And yeah, Miami's going to be a fascinating team to watch, Gary, at the trade deadline because they're they're certainly the first team that's talked about when it comes to Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson. And, and if they'd make a move there, it, it doesn't sound like they believe long-term in Tua at this point. And, and he's obviously dinged up himself right now. And there's a lot of questions, you know, being an undersized quarterback, how, you know, whether he can get through a full season or not. He, he's got some veteran pass catchers. And like you said, Gary, they've gone young at that position. They've got a ton of draft picks coming up in, in future years. They've, they've been pretty savvy moving around the draft board, the Dolphins, that is. Oh, in, in recent years and kind of stockpiling some picks. So do they want to get some more picks, Gary, by getting rid of some of these veterans and then saying, all right, let's go for it in 2023, 2024, uh, et cetera, a time frame like that, you know, or Gary, are they going to give up a bunch of these draft picks and, and chase Watson? And if they, if they do that, then maybe they want to keep some of these veteran receivers because maybe they'll sense a window is open as soon as, as next year, you know, if they get Watson back on the field. So they're going to be really fascinating. A guy like that would make some sense in Green Bay, Gary. He, he, he really would. I think it's a hammy right now that he's got going, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, yeah. he's been productive. Like you said, you outlined his numbers. He's, he, he's been a pretty good receiver in the league. And, and again, that's playing with subpar quarterbacking in the last, the last number of years. 
you always, you always think to yourself, or I, I do anyways, Gary, I always add about 30% to a guy's numbers. If he comes to play with Rogers and Rogers likes him and he trusts him and he's actually going to throw him the football. Um, you know, a, a guy's numbers can potentially skyrocket playing with a guy like Rogers versus a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick or whatever, you know, that Miami's had in, in recent years or Tua. So no, I, I like that one a lot, Gary. Okay. And your third pick Rob was, yeah, my, my third one, uh, uh, Gary, a little more nondescript, but but I think he's a better Lazard, a, a kid named James Washington out of Pittsburgh. Um, That's a good call, too. Yeah, okay. Like he's okay, Gary, but he's an upgrade. Yeah, um, yep. You still have your speedster then in MVS, who, again, I don't trust whatsoever. He'd be the first guy I'd try to replace, to be honest with you. Um, you know, so I go back to that Brandon Cooks being the guy I would chase the hardest here because – you know, he's just a more reliable guy than MVS and he runs in a similar, similar uh, ballpark in terms of speed, but James Washington at Pittsburgh, Gary, final year of his rookie deal, Pittsburgh's probably not going to resign him. You know, they've got all those, those other receivers. They like a lot. Deontay Johnson, Claypool, even Juju is still there. Although he'll probably be gone after this year. Uh, Pittsburgh always seems to have wide receivers, Gary, and they go deep at that position. You know, two years ago, Gary Washington caught 44 balls. He had five touchdowns last year, about six feet, 213, Gary. So is it in a four, five, five. So he's, you know, he's, he's a little bit faster than Lazard. Um, not quite as big. Um, Lazard's a probably a better blocker, but this guy's going to catch more footballs. I, I think you upgrade from Lazard. If, if, if you make this move, I think you upgrade from MVS if you go acquire Brandon cooks, Gary, what the hell I'd go get both of them. I mean, <laughs> you know what, if, if I'm good at Coons now, again, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm sitting here, you know, chatting with you uh, on, on my laptop. I'm, I'm not good at Coons to actually playing with, with real draft picks and, and the Packers money here. But, uh, but, but Gary, th- th- it, it's so clear that they need an upgrade at that position. Um, if, again, if, if, if they're going to chase these title dreams, that they all have and they're not going to get it done with MVS and they're not going to get it done with Lazard. They've got to find somebody for Devonte to pair with them there. And um, if they went and got a kid like Washington, Gary, he, he was behind a group of really good receivers in Pittsburgh. He, he's kind of been there four. Um, the, the, the key there, he's up to three now with Juju being hurt, but you know, again, the key is where's Pittsburgh going, right? Gary, they're two and three right now uh, had, had a pretty good win last week I would say against Denver but my guess is you know Pittsburgh's not a championship level team so two three weeks from now when they're three and four two and five whatever they turn out to be Gary does Pittsburgh management say yep let's get a fourth for this guy and move him along because we're losing him at the end of the season anyways if that's what's going to happen Gary then I think the Packers are smart to pounce yeah you know, you know what like you mentioned that there's still almost three weeks to go before the uh, trading deadline and uh, management for a lot of teams in the NFL are going to have to decide, Hey, are we playing for the rest of the season or for the future? And I, I came up with a couple other wide receivers for the heck of it. You look at Jacksonville. Okay. They, they drafted Chenault, I think in the second round, they, they got shark two really good young and uh, really cheap receivers on, on their salary front. And they also have Marvin Jones. Now, if you're not going anywhere, are you going to keep Marvin Jones on your roster and pay him that amount of money? I wouldn't. No, I, I mean, I, I'm with you there. 
he's been their most i mean i'm trying to do this off memory he's been their most productive receiver though hasn't he yes oh i mean he's he's outstanding you know yeah no no question i'm just thinking though with two young receivers though still on hand who are making a lot less money and you're jacksonville (laughs) and you're getting not going anywhere do you want to hold on to this guy right no i mean it's interesting but uh, they did just sign him in march um you know from detroit exactly any of those three gary you know again that's where you start if you're a gm like gutekunst is is you you look around the league and you say okay the jets are one and four right the the giants are one and four jacksonville's one and five uh houston's one and four etc etc and and you go find the dregs of society i mean the lions are on five but they're they're probably not going to trade inside the division and, you know, even a, t- a team like Atlanta, Gary, that's probably not going anywhere this year. You know, that, uh, we're going to know a lot more in two, three weeks. Like like we said, there, there's going to be a dozen teams that are probably out of it already, Gary, as we we approach midseason. But, you know, that that is, is actually one area where Jacksonville is deep, right? Yeah. Chanel, yeah. Jones and, and Chark, like like you said. And and you might be able to get one of those guys, Gary, um, maybe even on the cheap, too, because – Jacksonville's going to want to stockpile draft picks and 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 play for the future. Uh, they they probably don't know who their coach is going to be next year, Gary. But <laughs> but whoever the whoever the GM is going to be might uh, you know might might want uh, those their their fair share of extra draft picks. So no that 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 that's certainly another good possibility. Okay, I'll give you one more, and I promise yes. that'll be the end of our. Uh, oh, this is this is fun. We <laughs> could do it all day. Yeah, you, you know, a, a team that I think is in a similar situation, and you brought them up, is the Giants, okay? They they just drafted Kadarius Tony, okay, in the first round. Yep. So, you know, so you know they're invested in him, that they're committed to him for the future. Sterling Shepard, a very good young wide receiver. What do they do with Galladay? Are they going to keep paying him when they have two pretty good receivers already in hand and they're going nowhere? I mean, you wouldn't think they'd get rid of them this quickly, but again, same kind of scenario as Marvin Jones. No question. Both ex lions too. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's, uh, you know, the trickiest part there, I'm sure. I, and I don't know those contracts, Gary would be getting him in under the cap Would the giants take on any of the salary Would would the player renegotiate a little bit, you know, depending on when you're trading them, you, you know, you only have them for X amount of games. So you factor that in X over 17 and then do the math. And that's what, that's what you're going to pay them for uh, the remainder of the season. You don't have to pay them for the games that, you know, that have already been played. Even a guy on that team, Gary, like Darius Slayton, right? I mean, that, that yes. on paper anyways, the giants are another team that, that look deep at, at wide receiver. Now they're always, they're always hurt and all these guys are, are banged up and nobody ever seems to play for the giants. Even the running back and the quarterback got, got knocked out last week, but, uh, but no, they, they are deep at, at, at that wide receiver group. It certainly looks that way. They've got tight ends too, like, like Ingram and, and Kyle Rudolph, right. The, the ex Viking um, Gary, again, we, we, we've gone through a list here of maybe 10 guys total uh, between us or eight or whatever it is right now. And, and there's a lot more that the, the bottom line, I think out of, out of this fun little segment we just did is there are going to be a lot of options and green Bay would be foolish and green Bay would absolutely be making a huge mistake. If we get to November 3rd, Gary, and the trading deadline is passed and they, and they take the field and line up again 
with this exact collection of wide receivers, um, you know, moving into the second half of the season and then in, in all likelihood, the postseason um, with, with Alan Lazard as your two MVS is your three flip a coin. However you want to call those guys. Randall Cobb is maybe your second best option. And um, you know, again, you, even the group of tight ends, Gary hasn't done a whole heck of a lot led by Tunyon up till right, this point right. in time. So, you know, Gary, I wouldn't be opposed if, if, if Gutekun said, you know, went out there and, and traded for a tight end in the final year of his deal, who runs a four, six, one or something like that. And, and can give you a legitimate threat there to, to pair with Tunyon, almost like Wolf did uh, right back in 1996, when he added Keith Jackson to Mark Chimura um, in, in, in that Super Bowl season. So there's going to be a lot of options, Gary. And um, again, the Packers have a ton of draft capital down the road if they move Rodgers and mm. potentially Adams. And, and, and to me, Gary, they, they would really be foolish not to strike here in the next two or three weeks to, to better this football team. Totally agree. Uh, let, let's chat a little bit about Mason Crosby. You know, last week or the week before, you and I were putting him in the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. And the guy... I mean, let's face it, it was nothing short of spectacular the last two, two and a half seasons. And he had a uh, long stretch of consecutive field goals made. And I mean, this guy looked absolutely exceptional. And then, of course, along, along came Sunday against the Bengals. And uh, I, I don't know what happened, but uh, I got a few responses on tweets. And, and Packer fans were coming down on this guy like he was, you know, chopped liver and I, I'm, I'm like crazy. Do you have any, any doubts at all about the status of Mason Crosby? Are, are you, are you concerned in any bit in any no, way? No, no, honestly not Gary. And you know, you, you saw this two or three seasons ago in that game in Detroit. I think he had four missed field goals that game. Mm -hmm. Might have been the 18 season. If I remember right, cause McCarthy was still there. It was early in the season. And then McCarthy sent him back on. I don't know. I think they were down 10 or 11 late in that game. And McCarthy sent him on, you know, kind of for a, for an almost meaningless field goal as time was running out and, and he drilled it. It was 40 yards or whatever it was. And, and, and I'm not sure he missed again that season, Gary, that this is a guy who's had his share of hiccups through, you know, through his career. We we've talked about it a bunch in, in 2012, he was on the brink, I think of getting released. He was 21 to 33 that year, which is, you know, 63.6%. He had to fight like crazy to keep his job. Then the next year in 2013, every time Mason Crosby has had some kind of hiccup or hurdle that he's had to get over, he's done it. Mm -hmm. And Gary, you know, you know, honestly, my bigger concern almost comes down to this. You know, it, it, it's almost like, and, and not just Crosby, you saw this with Cincinnati too, and they've got a really good young kicker themselves. Right. These kickers will go to the coach before a game and they'll say, if you guys get to this point of the field, here's where I'm comfortable with. Right. And then the kick ends up being 52 yards or 54 yards or whatever. So if the offense can get to the 35, then the kicker should be in good shape to make the field goal. Gary, you see this with Matt LaFleur way too much. You saw it with, with Mike McCarthy through the years. You, you, you still see it with McCarthy. If you're watching Dallas football right now, Matt LaFleur says all gas, no breaks. Right. And at the end of these games, Gary, he's all breaks, no gas. It, it's completely the opposite. He loses his nerve. And, and if Mason Crosby tells him I'm good for 50 from 52 yards, if they can get him to the 35, it's almost like they stop playing offense. Gary, look at that first possession of overtime. Okay. 
Campbell gets the interception. I think he returned it to about the 17. Um, your kicker had just missed two in a row to end regulation. He had already missed an extra point. Why is Green Bay not trying to score a touchdown, Gary? Why do they not put the foot on the Bengals' throat and try to win the game with this MVP quarterback and, and these pieces that he has on offense, right? Instead, they run the ball twice into the line. They lose five yards. Crosby has to kick now from 40, which, again, it should be a gimme, right? He's a, right. He's a, prof- right. He's a professional kicker. Coming into the day, he had made 25, 26, 27 in a row, whatever the number was. I think he got as high as 27 mm-hmm. uh, before he missed on Sunday, Gary. Um, you know, and then he shanks another one at, at that point in time. But And, and you saw it, Gary, with Cincinnati, right? They, they had fourth and one at the end of regulation, and they set up for a 57-yard field goal instead with that, with that young kid who hit the upright. And it's just – it's asinine to me that these coaches don't – it's almost scary. Like they stopped playing football because they hit a certain point on the field and they say, all right, well, my kicker should do it from here. Well, guess what? I mean, a, a 49, a 50, a 57 yard field goal is not easy. It's not a, it's not a piece of cake. And, no, it's and these, not. these coaches should try to get a little bit deeper, Gary, but you know, just back to Crosby. And, and I kind of went off on a tangent there. Crosby, I think Gary is going to be just fine. Um, the bigger issue I think is, does he have trust in the holder and does he have trust in that group up front to keep him clean and protect? Because you saw yeah. a couple more times on, on Sunday, Gary, the Bengals shot, you know, just shot off the, like out of a cannon trying to block those kicks. And, and I'm sure that's in Mason Crosby's mind right now, Gary, you know, especially after the Steelers blocked one, you know, the previous week, even though they were, they were off sides. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the one thing, uh, that was in common in, in, in all of Mason's uh, kicks that were missed. He went left. He pulled every single one of them. And, and I thought after the extra point that he'd, he'd make the adjustment, but he didn't, you know, on those field goals. But, you know, get, getting back to that last game winning field goal, they only had like what, three or four inches to go for first down, right? Absolutely. And, Cobb, was just, Cobb was just inches short of the marker, Gary. And so I, I, I was listening to uh, Rex Ryan last night, the former coach, and he was on the same wavelength that I was. I, I wouldn't let Crosby kick at that point. You know, if it had been a yard or more, okay, fine, but a couple inches. And he said, you know, he would have went for it in light of uh, Crosby's uh, woes. But uh, I'll, I'll give Lafleur credit. You know, he stuck with him, and uh, you know, it turned out well. And I, I agree with you. I, Every time Crosby, you know, faces adversity, he bounces back, and, and I fully expect that to happen again. I mean, Gary, he's you know he's the second most tenured player on that team behind Rodgers. He's been there since '07. Uh, again, he's he, he's kind of faced every bit of adversity possible. He's he's come up big for him time and time again. And um, you know, honestly, Gary, I, I'd expect nothing more moving forward if. If the if this lingers, Gary, they've obviously, you know, got got some problems there. But but again, I I think their problems and and Mason's got a little bit of a problem. He's got to work out right now. But I, I think their problems are 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 deeper than that. It's it's the guys up front. Can they get people blocked? Can they get them blocked cleanly? Does Crosby trust those guys? Does Crosby trust this holder? You saw him after the missed extra point. Uh, you know, kind of, kind of turn to the punter who's, who's doing the holding now. 
and he had a few words for him. It didn't look like he was happy with with the way that ball was was placed down uh, with that miss. Hey, Rob, I, 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 I don't want to interrupt you, but I saw oh, that good. too where uh, Crosby gave uh, whoever was <laughs> some choice words. And I thought he pulled a Rodgers. And I'm thinking like, okay, I know you're the elder statesman of the team, but I, I didn't like that at all. I, I just thought like he was – he was directing blame and publicly it wasn't like behind closed doors. And uh, I, I just thought it wasn't uh, the right move to make that at that particular moment. Well, Gary, you know, and it's very out of character, you know, for a guy like Crosby, we expect that from Rogers Rogers has been yeah. addressed teammates and, and referees and coaches and, and opponents for 15 years here in green Bay. That's, that's just who Aaron Rodgers is. That that is not who Mason Crosby normally no. is, right? And and you're no, you're exactly right. So to watch him, you know, I just I just keep calling him Bojo because I can't I can't say you know the punter's last name, so I call him Corey <laughs> Bojo. But uh, you know, to 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 see him kind of undressing him, and I can guarantee you, Gary, when they went and watched film closely um, over the last day day and a half. It, a, a lot of their problems too stem to that blocking unit up front and, and, and keeping guys, mm-hmm. you know, to, to keeping this entire operation clean and to keeping opposing rushers away from Crosby. Marie Strayton keeps talking, all, saying all the right things every week, Gary, and they, and they can't get things fixed on special teams. They gave up another big, big return in that game uh, on Sunday, Gary weekend and week out. They've got some kind of issues with, with their special teams that, you know, this week it was Mason Crosby. He'd be the last guy you'd expect, right? To to have to have these kind of problems. Um, but again, I, I I think the problems go deeper than just Crosby uh, pulling a few kicks and 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 sending them wide left. It I I think it comes back to does he trust the holder and does he trust the blocking up front? Because right now I I do think that's in his mind a little bit, Gary. Well, we'll see what happens uh, next Sunday against the Bears. The Packers go down to the Windy City and. Uh renew their unpleasantries it really hasn't been much of a rivalry i mean the packers have dominated in recent years uh, the packers are favored i think by four four and a half points and the woeful spread is about 10 points uh i, I just don't think the bears are that good right on cue that that was probably matt nagy calling in <laughs> but uh you know, Field's dad. He's mad at you, Gary. Yeah, I, I have watched the Bears on several occasions this year, and, and they're just a run-of-the-mill team. And you know, the one thing that has really stood out. Everybody talks about the quarterback situation in Chicago, and, and, and rightfully so. But I've been watching Roquan Smith, who is highly regarded. Some consider him one of the best linebackers in the NFL. And last week, he got, he got called for unnecessary roughness, which was well deserved. It was a, a cheap hit. And there is at least one other occasion when he did this uh, as well during the season. And uh, if, if I'm a Pat, uh, the Packers, I'm, I'm looking for Roquan Smith. Uh, I don't think he has a reputation of being a bad player or, or a dirty player, but um, he, he certainly has looked at like that in a couple of games this year. And the other thing I, I noticed about Roquan Smith is he can't guard running backs coming out. And uh, I, I fully expect the Packers to see that on film. And uh, I fully expect Rodgers to uh, be dumping off passes to Jones and, and Dylan. And I, I think this could be a, a, a butt kicking. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I got that feeling. 
Gary, I think Chicago plays defense too well for it to be a buck kicking and, mm-hmm. and, and they'll find a way to manufacture a few points. I, I mean, I certainly agree with you. Green Bay wins the football game and they might cover that four and a half. I mean, how do you bet against Green Bay period against Chicago these days? Right. I mean, Rogers career, I, I think Gary, I want to say he's 20 and five career wise against yeah. Chicago, which is an 800 winning percentage. And, you know, then, then you turn it back for a decade and a half. Favre was 22 and 10 against these guys, uh, Gary. So he was winning more than two thirds of his game. So you look, Gary, since Favre showed up, they, if my math is right, they are 42 and 15 against the bears. They're, wow. You know, there was a time and you and I certainly lived it Gary in the seventies and eighties where this, this rivalry was, was, was just a, a, a joke in the other direction right? Where if the Packers won a game every four years, they were, they were giddy about it. And it, and it turned so nasty there. And, you know, in the eighties with Ditka and Forrest Gregg um, and, and some of the cheap, but you know, it's, it's, it's been a cleaner rivalry certainly since, but green Bay has just completely reversed it and taken it over. And Gary, I think when Favre showed up, you know, green Bay was, Oh, I want to say, so this is what they're, they're, 20 they're plus 27 against these guys in the last 30 years let's call it uh-huh. Gary I, I think there was a time where you know the Bears had a 22 23 24 game lead in the series and now Green Bay has the lead in the all-time series and you can circle two reasons right Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers it's just it's absolutely amazing you know what the differential in quarterback has done now the Bears hope they're in a new era and turning over a new leaf here with you know, with, with fields moving forward, but he's a, he's a rookie on his third start and, and it, it's probably going to be tough sledding for him Sunday, but you did see the, you did see the bears go to, go to Las Vegas last week, play unbelievable defense, right, Gary. And, 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 and you know what, Rob, and that, find that, a way to win that football game. My, my beloved Raiders should have won that game. I, I don't know if you saw the ending, but with about two minutes to go, um, Edwards, their fine young receiver came across the middle and he found a big gap. And unfortunately, uh, Derek Carr was scrambling and he overthrew him. I mean, the guy was wide open. They would have scored and uh, possibly tied the game at that point. But, you know, I- I'm not defending my guys, the Raiders, especially <laughs> in light of what's happened this week. But uh, it-, it just showed to me that the Raiders could have beat the Bears and the Bears didn't play. Their offense just sputters constantly. And, um, I, I could go on and on about it, but I, I just don't well, think they're Gary, very. Gary, I, I am with team. you. They're, 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 to me, they're the picture of mediocrity. Yeah, they're going to be kind exactly. of I mean, you 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 pick, and and my guess is it's it's an eighty percent chance that that they will end up either nine and eight or eight and nine when this is all said and done. Yeah. Now the one thing they can do, Gary, <clears throat> is get after the quarterback. They have eighteen sacks, right? Yes. Quinn, yes. Quinn has four and a half. Mac has five. So they can really get after quarterbacks, especially from that linebacker position. They're, they're really good in the front seven. Green Bay's makeshift offensive line, again, they're down three starters on, on Sunday in, in Cincinnati, Gary, and, and they still had the better offensive line in that football game. It was remarkable. I, you know, I, thought, that was, I thought that was maybe the, the most, you know, the, the, the biggest part of the game that just wasn't talked about, Gary, is the fact that, even with Green Bay down Bakhtiari, Jenkins, and Myers up front, they had the better offensive line in that football game. And for the most part, they kept Rodgers clean. 
and the Bengals couldn't, you know, especially in the first half or first three quarters, Gary, the Bengals had, had a really tough time blocking Green Bay's front. Um, even Dean Lowry, guys like that were extremely active. That's going to be a huge key in this game. I mean, everything begins and ends for Chicago, Gary. It's predicated on that pass rush. Can they get after people? Can they get after quarterbacks? Green Bay's, I would assume, Gary, I mean, obviously Bakhtiari's not back uh, for at least another week. Jenkins might be able to give it a go where he plays. We'll see. I would think Myers is out. Maybe another game, Gary, when we did this podcast last week, we didn't know about that finger. I think mm-hmm. that could get, that could be a two, three week injury on that. You know, Lucas Patrick steps in and, and does a nice job at, at center. And, and for the most part, again, they don't miss a beat, but uh, you know, Gary, in some way, shape or form, they're going to, they're going to have a mismatch, you know, um, you know, offensive line again, coming up this week, just a, just a group that they, you know, probably didn't envision would start together when, when the year began and can, can they block one of the more dominant fronts in football? We'll, we'll find out, but um, I, Gary, I, I think when you look at keys to the game in terms of the Packers finding ways to win, it starts and ends right there. Can they block Chicago? Yeah. We're uh, he- heading into the fourth quarter of this podcast, Rob, and uh, just wanted to get a couple quick hits on uh, two topics. One is the Packers signing of Jalen Smith, and the other one is the departure of John Gruden in Las Vegas. And Let's start out with Jalen Smith. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I, I told you this or not, but I, I talked to an NFL official the other day, and he thought it was a nice pickup by the Packers, but the big question he had about Jalen Smith was his pass coverage. He said it's horrendous, that he's pretty good against the run, which you know is reflected in his, in his numbers, but he said this guy really has problems in, in pass coverage. And then he went on, well, he didn't go on to say, but Jerry Jones, I, I don't know if you saw this, Rob, at a press conference the other day. And out of the blue, he tells the media that Jalen Smith has a drop foot and he's had a deal with that. And, uh, you know, add one and one together. And you can understand maybe that's the reason he has had problems in past coverage. But I, I found it kind of, weird that Jerry Jones would publicly come out and talk about a guy's uh, physical issues. Uh, Very seldom is that done in the NFL, but all in all, I I thought that was a great move by Gutekunst. He has absolutely nothing to lose. I think he gave him the veteran minimum of what, 700, 800,000. Dallas is picking up the bulk of the uh, $7 million contract. So in light of the issues the Packers have had at linebacker this season, I thought it was a very nice move by Gutekunz. Gary, it's certainly worth kicking the tires on, right? And yeah. They're not gonna. They're not gonna. You know, hit a home run here for the second time this season. I don't think like they did with Devondre Campbell. Um, that that's turned out to be the, you know, one of the signings of the year, especially getting that guy in June. And and again you're you're spot on that that has been the knock on smith is pass coverage so green bay does have enough options there i think where they can keep out of roles like that they, mm-hmm. they can they can put them in you know in, in terms of of run first type stuff they can they can find different places to rush him from because he has been effective getting to quarterbacks you know bringing them off the edge hiding him inside and having him come through you know come through the middle at times things like that i you know, that, that'll be up to Joe Barry to, to, to find and create ways 
for him to be effective on the field, but, but they do have enough people there. And you saw Chris Barnes come back on, on Sunday, Gary, and, and, and make a couple plays and have an impact on, on that football game. They, they do have some options there, you know, where, where they're not going to rely on Smith to play 60 snaps, 80% of the time, things like that. Campbell's now their go-to guy out of that inside linebacker group. They're, they're using two inside linebackers, Gary, more dramatically more than Mike Pett never did. Um, you know, the numbers there are, are, are in, in, incredibly higher than, than Pettin did not like to go with two inside linebackers very often, Gary, Barry will, and he, and he does, but, but again, they've got some options there. Like I said, with, you know, now with Campbell and with Barnes and, and they'll find a way to work Smith in, but for what it cost you, Gary, which was next to nothing, it, it's worth seeing what this guy has left. If you can find a way to, to get something out of him, to get some level of productivity, at the very least, Gary, he probably, you know, probably improved your depth at the position and, and maybe there's a way Barry can, you know, find a way to, to, to get a little bit out of this guy here. Um, Cause again, he's not that old, but he, but he's been banged up and Dallas had obviously decided they wanted to go on a different route with some younger guys, but I think he's still a serviceable player, Gary. It's just up to the Packers coaching staff now to find a way to get something out of him. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? Lafleur knew him from his time at Notre Dame and everybody uh, raves about his work ethic. I mean, even Jerry Jones, I mean, he bashed him on the injury front, but he had (laughs) nothing but, you know, high praise for his work ethic and uh, high character. So why not? You know, they, they had absolutely nothing to lose. If he doesn't pan out, big deal. You know, you move on. But if he does pan out, they got themselves a gym, you know, I mean, he could help them. He could. So, Absolutely. So anyways, uh, the, the most shocking news of the week, maybe of the football season, has this been a fascinating, fascinating NFL season already though? I mean, there have been so many good storylines and, and what is it with the coaches, John Gruden, Urban Meyer, <laughs> and we're only five games into the season, you know, but, uh, Anyways, really, really unfortunate to hear what happened with Gruden. I think a lot of people liked him, liked his personality. Uh, on the surface, he seems like a great guy, but you know what he did was obviously wrong. And um, I, I don't know what else to say. But uh, any thoughts from your your standpoint, Rob? Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. And his football team was getting much, much better. I mean, he was under contract. What is this year four? That ten year deal. So he had six more years after this season to, to, um, you know, w- with the organization had he not resigned, you know, Gary, I I'm with you hundred percent. What he, what he wrote in those emails, what he, what he said was completely wrong. I just, I think we open a really tricky can of worms though. When we go back and we look at what people did decades mm-hmm. ago, I mean, exactly. we're talking 10 years ago, I think this was, you know, some of these emails, the New York times uncovered and, and, and again, these were all uncovered during an investigation of Daniel Snyder and, and, and the Redskins. It had nothing to do at the time with, with John Gruden, at least when the, when this all kicked off and you know, the, the, the NFL, it doesn't look like it's going to find a whole lot on Snyder and, and, and in the process, they're going to get Gruden. Um, but, but Gary, I mean, and, and, and I think anybody out there listening to that or listening to this right now can, can go back in their own lives and say, you know, what did I, what did I say about such and such? And what, what did I think in 1985? What did I write about so-and-so in 1995? What did I think in 2005? I mean, people's, people's opinions on things change. Your, your perspective on life changes. 
You know, I, I'm just, I'm not a big fan, Gary, in general of going back and punishing people today for something they might've done three decades ago, um, you know, or in Gruden's case here a decade ago. I just, I think the world changes so much, not just year to year, Gary, you know, or not just decade to decade, I mean, but, but year to year now. So um, the way you might've felt about something in, in 2000, you might feel completely different in 20, 2004, 2010. And um, again, the, the, there's really no excusing what Gruden said or wrote at the point in time. But uh, again, he wasn't working for the Raiders. He wasn't working for anybody in the NFL. I think he was working for ESPN at the time, Gary. Um, yeah, he, he was. You know, and, yeah. Basically, ESPN's been remarkably quiet on this whole front and, you know, and how, how and why they didn't punish him uh, at, at any point in time through, through this, uh, through this process. So, yeah, it's a, you know, it, it again, Gary, it, it, it's too bad. My guess is he's going to have a hard time getting back into the league. This is the last you'll hear and maybe see of, of John Gruden, at least as a coach. He may end up somewhere on a, you know, on a, on a morning pregame show or something like that at, at some point in time. He may just be done, too. He, you know, people might feel like he can't touch him anymore. So we'll see where it goes from here. It's I, I always feel bad, Gary, when, when guys who have had outstanding careers exit on a low, not on a high. And, and right now it looks like that's how Gruden's going to leave is on a low. Yeah. Yeah, we, we could spend a, a whole podcast on, on racial issues, you know, confronting this country. But, Rob, I, I thought Pandora's box was really open when Kavanaugh was seeking appointment to the Supreme Court and uh, the Democrats were drudging up stuff that he did when he was in high school. You know, the, the guy had passed so many other rigorous tests on his way to this position. And they go back 40 some years ago for some, for some instance, which they didn't prove anyways, you know? So this is very similar. I, I think at some point you gotta let things go and then say, okay, uh, you know, it's time to move on. But I, again, I, I'm not exonerating Gruden because you can't, uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious uh, what he did was wrong. And, but anyways, it's unfortunate because the NFL loses one of its most colorful figures, one of its best coaches, and uh, the game's not the better for it. But uh, well, Gary, and then, and then you look around the league too, right? You you've still got guys like Kareem Hunt running around. You've got guys like Deshaun Watson running around. I mean, there's there's a double standard then that exists in in terms of of letting you know letting certain people back, and and now it looks like certain people could be gone and banned for for. You and I have been on plenty of sidelines, Gary, and plenty of locker rooms through our year, through our years. The, these aren't choir boys in general. Um, no, they're, no, they're like, not. And, and that's really not what... out of the league. You, it, it, it's not like you said, okay, we got one bad apple, and now you know the other. What are we? What are we talking? Sixteen hundred employees are are all model citizens. Far from that, Gary. Did did they have to do that with Gruden? Maybe and and stuff like that. But anybody, you know. I've been on enough sidelines, Gary, to, 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 to know what these guys yell and scream and, and say to each other through the course of the game. Every single time, Gary, is, is similar and reminiscent to what, you know, Gruden's email said there. That, that stuff happens constantly in locker rooms. It, it happens between, you know, um, of opposing players. It, it's just it, – it's consistent, Gary. It, it is it, – when, when you go and, and play in that league, you're, you're, you're not going to church on a, on a Sunday morning. Are you, you're, no, you're you know, not. you're going no, to battle and, and it, it, it's just, it's a completely different world, almost Gary, a completely different mentality. Again, I'm not trying to excuse Gruden whatsoever, but um, 
it, believe me, he, he's far from the only one who, who has used that type of language and, and those type of words. And, and again, like I, I'm with you, Gary, you, you, you've kind of opened Pandora's box when you start digging and saying, what did so-and-so say in 2011? What did so-and-so do in 2003? What did so-and-so do in 1995? It's a, it's a, it's a really, it's a really tricky road to start traveling down Gary. I'll tell you there, there's far and few between people that haven't had a misstep in their lives. Right. Yep. (laughs) And, and if you dug up stuff on every individual in this society, I don't know who would be left. Not, not many would be standing. (laughs) Gary, that's why no one will run for president these days. Right. And, and, and we, and we end up with the candidates we end up with. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that, that, that Kavanaugh hearing was just, you know, just an absolute debacle and, and uh, shameful in my my mind, especially dragging you know his wife and kids through all that crap and anything. So, anyways, enough of that. Enough rambling. Uh, Rob, uh, we just crossed the finish line of this podcast, and it was as always a blast. Uh, thanks for enlightening our listeners and uh, enlightening me. Even as I hear the rooster crow on the background, Gary, it's uh, <laughs> turned out to be one. One of a podcast again. There you go. So anyway, thanks, Rob. Uh, Have a good rest of the week. And uh, we'll be talking to you next week. And thanks again to our listeners. Take care and all the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Wuffle and Wuffle'sPressBox.com.